0: So we all have our daily routines, right? Mine goes something like this. I go to bed around the same time every night. I set my alarm, get up in the morning around the same time. I stumble towards the coffee pot, turn it on, get some black gold going so I can be awake. Usually spend a few minutes hanging out with God, talking to him, listening to him. Then I take a dog for the walk. Then I come home and hang out with my teenagers before they leave for school. I talk to my wife for a few minutes. We usually have the same thing for breakfast. Every day, I go and work out a little bit, I pack a lunch, I take a shower, I zoom off to work, try to check voicemail and email and catch up with what's going on, zoom through the workday, zoom home, try to eat something with the family. Then we have errands and chores and homework and a booster club meeting. And at some point in the night, I exhale and collapse at the alarm and do it all over again the next day. Sound familiar? Like it's sort of this thing we call our routine, our schedule, our rut. It's our grind. It's my grind. And the best part about my grind is that it's mine. I I set this pattern. I choose the schedule. I choose what I'm going to eat every day. And if it's the same thing, I just eat the same thing. If I want to change it, I change it. But it's my schedule, my routine, my grind, my rut. I'm in control of it. I have options to choose to change it, but I don't really like to change it. I like my rut, my grind, my routine the same. And I definitely don't want you messing with my rut, my routine. You feel me? Like, you can have your rut, your routine, your schedule. Please stay out of mine. I like it. Comfortable, safe, secure, my rut, my routine. You guys know the feeling of this, right? Each of us might vary a little bit different, but we all have something like this. And if we don't like people messing with our little routines, I drink the same cup of coffee the same time with the same creamer every day, don't mess with my cup of coffee or my creamer. If, if you don't wanna mess with my little stuff, then certainly don't mess with the big stuff. Like, don't mess with my career. Don't mess with my assignment in this world. Don't don't mess with my purpose. I want to know my career. I want to know my goals. I want to know my priorities. I want to move in those priorities and those paths. And I don't want you messing with it. Because midlife, midstream, you start messing with my life, the big stuff, and you start saying there's got to be a change. There's got to be a new direction. There's got to be a new career path, a new purpose, a new assignment. You're messing with things that you're gonna to have to pay for. Don't mess with my big picture stuff, my life. We all wanna know what we're supposed to do, but once we find out, don't touch it, right? So we're talking about this guy in the Bible named Paul. Jesus messes with his life, right? We call it, he came to know Jesus. But honestly, he bumps into, Paul bumps into Jesus, and Jesus forgives him of his sins and radically alters his life, and then, Jesus gives him a new assignment, a new purpose. One day, Paul comes down for breakfast. He's got the coffee going, and there's a post-it note on the breakfast table that looks like this. It says, hey, Paul, here's your assignment. I want you to start and do that now. And Paul's this guy who went to the Harvard of religion of his time and studied and learned and had these incredible gifts and this incredible knowledge. And Jesus is like, I want you to use all that you learned and all that you've experienced to advance my kingdom, to teach people about me. And Paul's like, good, got it. He loves it. He starts it. And you and me, we we want to know our purpose, our assignment too. And for most of us, it's not going to be anything in the church, or it's not going to be in missions. For most of us, it's not going to be that. But in the marketplace, with whatever our assignment, our purpose, our responsibility, whatever that might be, our career path, once we have that clarity, once we know what that is that we're supposed to do next, we don't want anybody touching it, right? Don't mess with my direction, my timeline, my plan, my... Don't mess with it. Leave me alone. I'm going. It's my rut, my schedule, my routine, my career, my path, my timeline. Let me be, and I'll retire one day, and I'll play golf, and then I'll die. And that's sort of the plan, right? It's kind of the direction where we go. We don't want God touching any of that. Just give me the big picture direction, and then let me go The post-it note that God gives his sons and daughters is different than the one we probably want. His post-it note that he gives us goes more like this. Here's your assignment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start it now, and I want to walk with you in that assignment. And I want you to walk with me. I'm not just, okay, here, go this direction, and I'll see you when you die. That's not God's plan for our lives. He wants to interact with us Walk with us, talk with us, engage with us, and redirect our paths if necessary. Change up the routine. We're talking about what it means to have a kind of kingdom faith, faith in Jesus Christ that begins to work itself into the forgiveness of sins, but into a purpose and an assignment in this world in the marketplace, in the academy, in economics, in all kinds of spheres of influence, in mechanic, in landscape, and in our homes, that his kingdom comes and his will can be done in love and light in all these different places. We want to know our purpose in that, but it's walking with him by faith, not give me my assignment, tell me what to do, and I'll talk to you when I die. I mean, that's a lot of the way people view Christianity, and that's not what God has for you and me. He wants to interact with us and work us through, walk us through, be with us in a relationship, not a religion and not a routine. And I want to show you this in the Bible by having you turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll bump into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. And we're again jumping into Paul's story this guy who had his life altered by Jesus. We looked at last week, God gave Paul his assignment to use his experience, his life, his gifts to teach people about Jesus. And he was connected with this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas is Paul's coach, his mentor. And they begin to work together. And over three or four years, Paul and Barnabas worked together going from town to town teaching people about Jesus. Something fascinating happens. Acts chapter 15. After three or four years of working closely together and in their routine, Barnabas and Paul have a sharp disagreement, the Bible says. Hear that. It's kind of neat to think about. Paul, Barnabas, these guys that love Jesus and who are advancing the kingdom of God, who are doing Christian work. It says in Acts 15, they have a sharp disagreement that causes them to have to part ways. That's really cool. I love that. Because in reality, we could be close friends and even doing great Christian things together with people, and we can disagree with one another. And that's okay. It says Paul and Barnabas part ways. And then Paul, instead of hanging out with Barnabas, he grabs two other guys to go with him. And now Paul becomes the mentor to two men named Silas and Timothy. So now Paul, Timothy, and Silas are doing what they've been called to do. They're teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. This is their routine. This is their rut. They're sharing the grace and truth of Jesus Christ from town to town. When this happens in Acts 16, verse 6, it says that Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I mean, try to follow what's going on here. God told Paul, I want you to teach. Use your academics. Use your experience to be a mouthpiece for me. Teach people about Jesus. And Paul's like, okay. And he starts to do that. Verse 6 says, he was kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Track that. Somehow God stops Paul from going preaching in Asia. He goes, hey, Paul, not Asia. Verse 7 says to them, well, then Paul goes, well, maybe I'll go over here to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus says, no, not them either. Verse 9, then Paul has some kind of vision where someone is calling out and saying, come to Macedonia. So you have this guy, Paul. Here's my assignment is to go and teach them, preach. I go this way, you tell me not there. I go this way, you tell me not there. I tell you, okay, you want me to go here. Okay, but this is kind of weird, right? This is different. This isn't our experience, We want God to direct our path, but not that level of detail, right? I mean, follow this. We want God to tell us a direction, but we don't want you to live in our lives and actually mess with our routine. God, give me the high-level stuff. God, give me an assignment. Give me the big picture. Give me the direction, the career, the purpose, the, the big stuff. But please don't mess down in here in the details of what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it. Okay, God, you you tell me to love people, but I don't want to love them. That's too detailed. God, I know you want me to grow and to change, but I don't want to grow and change in that way. That's too detailed. We like the idea of God directing our path, but just give me the highlights, the high level, the big picture, and let me alone. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Don't mess with my routine. We want our assignment, but we don't want God to guide us at that level of detail. And God's like, um, I wanna walk with you. I wanna be a part of your life. I, I, I don't wanna control your life. That's not what God wants. If God wanted to use a joystick to make us do whatever he wanted to make us do, whenever he wanted us to do it, he would use a joystick, but I ain't no joystick. I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this right now. You're doing this. We're living this real life in this moment. But God wants a relationship as we walk with him in this moment, connected to him. He's not a hands-off God. He wants to walk with us, which begs the question, how? How does God do this? How did God direct Paul? If it says that Paul was stopped from going here, and God's like, don't go here, and don't go here, and then he gives him a vision, go here instead, what does that look like? How did that happen in the real, everyday life? Because I want to know, I want to understand how God's going to redirect my plans. When we read things in the Bible, we automatically think God literally vocally spoke to Paul and said, Paul, don't go there. And we think God physically showed up on a path one day and said, Paul, don't go there. And, and that's not necessarily what took place. You see, God's never interacted with me audibly like that, just saying, and he hasn't shown up on my path and said, don't do this. So I think when I hear a story like this in the Bible, it must be fiction. I dismiss this as just fiction because it's never happened to me like that, or I think, Maybe that's how God acts to the really spiritual people, but I'm not really spiritual, and I'm not really that good at anything, and he might treat other people like that, but I'm the dirtbag, and so there's no way he would interact with me like that. And so I dismiss this as either fiction or for somebody else, but in reality, the author of the book of Acts is looking back on this experience with 2020 vision and saying, I'm trying to put words to what took place in Paul's life. He was going in this direction, he went this way, he went this way, he found this way. And he's trying to describe it to us. And I think it's probably just much more normal and everyday things that directed Paul than what we think. So sometimes the way God redirects our plans is he uses closed doors and open doors, right? So you're walking in a direction you believe is right, there's a closed door or an open door. So you discover you really need a new job. Let's use this as an example. You decide you're going to apply for a job. You apply for the job. You get the job. I'll call that an open door. You apply for the job. You don't get the job. I'll call that a closed door. And as a follower of Jesus, our role in this world is to walk by faith daily with Jesus, not stand still and say, God, You'll tell me what to do next, and I'll just wait here until you tell me what to do next. No, it's I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in my purpose. I'm going to walk in in truth. I'm going to walk in grace. I'm going to walk and do what you've called me to do until I bump up against something that's an obstacle that closes the opportunity down for me to move. And so for Paul, that's what took place. He's going about his business. God said, go teach people about my kingdom. Paul's like, okay, I'll go to Asia. And on his way to Asia, you'd think that it's some sort of big supernatural thing, but I kind of think it's much more practical, like Pendot's doing another bridge rebuild, and he can't get there. Or he eats some Asian food, and it makes his stomach sick, and he goes, I can't deal with Asian food. And that's what causes him to turn and go a different direction. And then he pivots and heads to Mycenae, and something there stops him too. Something maybe practical, like... He blew a head gasket on his Chevy and he has to go into the parking lot and wait for the night at a hotel till he can get it fixed the next day. And that's when he has a vision and God's like, I want you to go to Macedonia. It's much more practical, in my opinion, than God just audibly saying, go this way, go that way, remote control. It's practical, it's daily. Paul describes these closed-door moments in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, now I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, and I found that the Lord had opened a door for me there. When he went to that town, was God standing at the front edge of the town with the big scissors and the ribbon cutting and, like, come to town, Paul, cuts the ribbon and opens the door? Or was it there was something about the experience when he went as he followed God's lead and he did what God called him to do? There was something about it that Paul's like, this is an open door. I'm supposed to do my job, my work here. You see, when we're prevented from doing our job, when there's an obstacle in front of our purpose, we have a choice about whether to stop and see that as an obstacle and ask God the question, are you trying to redirect me? Sometimes God redirects our plans using confusion and clarity. You're walking through life, everything smooth sailing, all of a sudden things get really confusing. It's kind of like when you're driving down the road, everything's clear, you can see exactly where you're going and then you go into fog. Have you had that experience? What do you do? Speed up when it's foggy or slow down? Sometimes in our lives things get confusing when it was really clear and what God is doing in that moment is saying, I want you to slow down and ask me, should I keep going? and not move forward until there's clarity. In relationships, this happens. Things could be going totally smooth one moment in a relationship, and the next moment, things get super confusing. What should you do in that moment? Speed up? So Paul has this experience in Acts 15. Three or four years, he's hanging out with his mentor Barnabas. Everything's going super smooth. Then all of a sudden, it's not going smooth, and they have to ask the question, what are we supposed to do with this? And through that confusion, there became clarity that two of them should go separate ways. Sometimes that happens. Here's what it looks like maybe in the workplace. You're working hard. Everything's going smooth sailing. There's no problems. And all of a sudden, your company gets bought out all of a sudden the key leader leaves and there's a restructure and there's all this tension and problems. There's confusion when there was really, everything was going smooth and easy. Now all of a sudden there's confusion. What does that give you the opportunity to do? Slow down and see if God wants to redirect your path because there's something about chaos that causes you to seek clarity. And God can use that to bring redirection Sometimes God redirects our plans using pain and peace. You're going through life on autopilot. Everything's just fine. And all of a sudden, a relationship that was going really well, man, you lose a loved one. They get a terrible diagnosis of something in their health, some tension, some drama with someone you love, and it just arrests you with pain. And you go, what is this? And there are times that God uses that kind of pain to redirect us, to cause us to stop and to go, I desperately need peace, God, because I'm in pain. And what I love about the Bible is it gives Jesus the title Prince of Peace. And sometimes when I'm in pain, it doesn't mean that the pain is going to go away, but if I can seek peace in the midst of the pain, I'll know that's the right direction to walk. And Jesus wants to walk with me through the pain towards peace. Here's what I'm not saying. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that every time you hit up up against an obstacle or a closed door, that's God redirecting you. I'm not saying that if you face confusion or every time you deal with pain, that's God redirecting you. What I am encouraging you to do, that if you're experiencing closed doors, if you're in a season of confusion or pain, Have you stopped to ask God, are you trying to redirect me? And maybe it'll be like, nope, that's just pain. That's just confusion. That's just obstacle. Or maybe, no, you've been trying to sell your house for three years and it's not sold. Maybe you should stop trying to sell your house and just be content with where you are. But ask the question. Say to God, are you trying to redirect my path? I want to walk with you. You're frustrated about a relationship. You're stuck in some kind of chaos or lack of peace. God, are you trying to redirect my path? I want to walk with you. I will walk with you. Would you guide me? Ask him the question, are you trying to redirect me? Because where there is chaos and where there is pain and where there is obstacles that just don't seem to move out of the way, sometimes God's like, you're stuck in a rut, you think this is routine, And I want a relationship with you. Will you walk with me? I want to guide you out of this. Now, it would be easy to think Paul has this experience with God where God's like, don't go there, don't go there, here. And as soon as Paul follows that path and goes in that direction, you would think, oh, from here on out, it's going to be smooth sailing. Paul, you got it. It's going to be easy. But read the rest of the book of Acts. Read the rest of Acts 16. Paul goes to Macedonia. He shares the good news of Jesus with people there. There is a success story. A woman comes to know Christ and her family, so the kingdom is growing. Cool success story. But then he goes to another village right in the middle of Acts 16, and he ticks off the locals, and they flog him, they whip him, and they throw him in jail. I mean, if I'm following God's path and I'm allowing him to redirect me, shouldn't I get something better than this? Like, I, I think things should go better, and Paul's going, wait, I wanted to go to Asia, but you wanted me to go to Macedonia, and now I get my butt kicked and I land in jail. Like, what gives? Like, this is not good. But kingdom fact is that walking by faith in Jesus does not mean that life is going to be easy or comfortable. I mean, that's not the promise of the kingdom. The promise of the kingdom is that the king is going to rescue you from your sin. The king wants to live in your life. The king is going to walk with you no matter what you go through. That's the kingdom of God. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to avoid pain or discomfort and your life is just going to have success stories one after another because you're allowing God to redirect your path. No, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Instead, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but cheer up. I've overcome the world. Jesus' way of saying, hey, life's going to be hard. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be pain-free. It's not going to be easy all the time. There will be seasons of confusion. There will be seasons of obstacles that you feel like, I can't make any sense of this. But if you're walking with the king, you can navigate these things. Jesus told Paul that he would have to suffer many things. When he gave him his assignment, he says, you will have to suffer many things to the point where Paul, in Acts fourteen twenty two, he teaches everyone, he says, we must go through. We in there, we, as all those who are following Jesus, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, which means it's not going to be easy street all the time. Pain, discomfort, chaos is going to take place in our lives. because." The plain fact about it is following Jesus is hard. And and the biggest reality of it is it means if I'm going to follow Jesus, like you're the king and I'm not. I want to be king. You want to be queen, don't you? But when we come into the kingdom of God, we realize he's the king and I'm not. And that's really hard. Because if I'm going to play king or queen for the day, I'm not going to arrange life like this. I'm not going to have discomfort for the people I love. I'm not going to have pain or difficulty for the people I love. No, I'm going to rearrange everything so everything's nice and easy for me and the people I love and the people I don't like. Well, (laughs) who cares about them? But if I'm king or queen for the world, I'm doing things differently than he is. And the moment I say you're king and I'm not, that makes life really hard. Right? Makes life really hard. Following Jesus, submitting to a king who says this is how I want you to live. This is the lifestyle. This is what I'm want you to act like this is how I want you to behave. This is how I want you to live. Really, really hard. I'm your servant, God. I'll do what you want me to do. That's a costly lifestyle. Following him means there's days he's gonna ask me to do assignments and behave and act in ways I don't wanna behave. Like, I don't wanna forgive you. I don't wanna admit that I was wrong. I don't want to be generous with my money and my time and my gifts. I don't want to use my house for that. I don't want to interact with those people. It's hard to say, that's how you want me to live. That's the lifestyle, the behavior, the attitude and actions. And it's not going to happen on my timeline. I'm going to follow you. That costs a lot. And following Jesus, there will be times that people don't like you. There's people in this church that they started to follow Jesus and their family thinks they're in some kind of cult. They're wondering what the whack is going on here. This is weird stuff. And there are people that won't like you. They won't listen to you. They won't give you opportunities. You may have situations where you're mistreated and treated unjustly because you're following Jesus. The cost of following him is real. But he told us that this is the way it was going to happen. Following him means that there will be cost, there will be heartache, there will be pain. But if God really gives you a post-it note that looked like this, if God really, really means that he has an assignment for your life, there are purposes for you. There's a unique place in the marketplace. There's a unique place for you among family and friends. There's specific assignments and attitudes and actions for you and me to live. If that's true, and he wants us to start now, and he wants to walk with us through whatever comes, is there anything better? I mean, if he's really the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if he really is sovereign over everything, if he really holds life and death in his hands, and he cares and loves, and leads and wants to use us to be a part of his family business, to not walk with him, to not listen to him, to not hold his hand, is stupidity and the definition of foolishness. But it means he's going to lead us, and there's times that we're not going to like where he wants us to go. You know, with a kid, when you're trying to teach a toddler how to walk, I mean, I feel like that's what I'm like, a toddler trying to learn to walk, and a parent is saying, come with me, come with me, and the kid thinks that's slavery, to, to go with your parent, and you're constantly trying to pull your hand out of their hand? I mean, that's what I'm like with Jesus. Isn't that what you're like? He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to show us the right path towards peace and joy and goodness and comfort and purpose and innovation and creativity and the usefulness of our lives. And I'm pulling my hand out of His hand, left and right, because I can do it by myself. I'm strong enough and smart enough, and I ain't holding your hand. And you know what God's like? He's like, okay, if you don't want to hold my hand, He's not going to try to pull you back. He's going to go, go do what you want. And you think it's gonna bring you peace, you think it's gonna bring you purpose, you think it's gonna bring you joy, and it leads you into more chaos, more pain, more troubles. And he's just saying, come, I wanna walk with you. Hold my hand, I'm gonna lead you. Hold my hand, I'm not gonna control you. Hold my hand, I'm gonna guide you. Hold my hand, and I'm going to release you, and I'm going to empower you to use your life to make a difference. Hold my hand, and I'm going to give you good things, because that's what a good father does. And if you want to wrestle with him, he always wins, but he loves you so much that even when you rebel against him, he welcomes you home. He can direct your path. He can give you peace if you let him. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us purpose in this world. Thank you in this place, online, here at Faith Church, that you're inviting people to follow you, to trust you, to discover forgiveness and peace with you. But you also want to spend life now with us, not just eternity, but now you want to walk with us. Forgive us for seeing you as a routine. Forgive us for seeing you as a religion. Forgive us for not walking in a relationship with you, missing the opportunities to discover peace and comfort and purpose. God, would you redirect our plans, redirect us away from the things that would harm us, Redirect us away from the things that would stop your kingdom from advancing. Use whatever tools necessary to get our attention. That we might not be stubborn toddlers, but instead children of the living God that willfully and joyfully surrender to you in every way. Guide us in the path of peace to know our purpose in this world. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.